1: Hello boys and girls, and welcome to Rule the Roost podcast, episode 15, with me to Trunk, or Jack, wherever you want to call me, or joining me this week, is Raj. Hello, Raj.
2: Hello, um, why have you got um, an Operation Newtree Vice going on there?
1: Did I just mix it up a bit?
2: What, mix it up with some children?
1: Uh, I'm not going there, I'm not going there. (laughs) Well, Hello, yeah, this is... Uh, I'm good, thank you. This is episode 15, the Peter Crouch special. You actually had to tell me off mic why it was the Peter Crouch special, which is it's, quite it's appalling, isn't it? I
2: can't recall any other number 15s. Um, I was trying to think. Was Steed Malbronk number 15? Steed.
1: Um, yeah. I'm not sure what he was, really, aside for committed.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what he lacked in, in class he made up for in, in spirit.
1: In running lots. Yeah, and being quite small and French.
2: Yeah, he's very strange build for a Frenchman. Short and squat. That's not often how they are. Well, Napoleon, I guess, but you know, I digress.
1: How uh, how are you doing this week, Rose?
2: Not too bad. Uh, the weather has turned in Yorkshire. So this new recording situation of being in the garage is, is, is isn't the best. I'm going to have to start wearing a coat and some socks down here because. Uh, yeah, I can't feel my feet anymore.
1: Can Can you make any amusing jokes about India sending something to Mars? Because I can't. I'll be called a racist if I do.
2: Um, have India got a space program now?
1: Yeah have you Have you missed all this?
2: Yeah, um, it's.
1: India have had a space program for the past few years, and they've actually they've sent a probe <laughs> to Mars. That's great.
2: Um, they'll probably open a shop
1: while they're up there. Hey, there we go. That's racist.
2: Yeah, it is. But at least you know like you'll be able to get it in, in good time and things. Yeah,
1: I suppose so. That's yeah. I've,
2: Aliens want I've had shits like it.
1: A, <laughs> I I might edit this out to be honest.
2: I dunno, maybe I won't.
1: We're that kind of podcast now it seems. But uh yeah.
2: <laughs> this ever- is a new low for us. This is definitely a new low for us. Uh, yeah.
1: Do you want to talk about the two two whole game?
2: Um, I think it'd be uh, nice to to just reflect on the fact that we actually won a penalty shootout, if nothing else.
1: That's true. Harry Kane, he was surprisingly good as well. He seems to be becoming less of a big, useless twat and just a bit of a decent-ish player. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, um, I think we were were sold a a true number 10 when we first saw him play when he was, you know, 17-18 17-18 and because of the size of the lad um, Harry Redknapp just seemed to to stick him up front and, and want people to, to ping balls at him but that's not his game whatsoever he's much more um, like a, a number 10 where he, he'd drop deeper and play behind he's not a, a playmaker in the same mould as, as Ericsson or or Holtby would be um, but he's much more of a of a, a support striker so he, he's happily playing that hole around the the area um, which is where he got his goal from. So um, I think it's nice for him to, to finally um, show his, his true ability or something more like it at, at White Hart Lane in front of the fans.
1: It's funny, though, how he even went on loan to Norwich and just looked shocking there. I think he even looked shocking at Leicester as well when <laughs> when he had these loans out. So why he would suddenly come back to us and then start to look fairly decent, I guess that's what happens, though, isn't it, with young players? <laughs>
2: Well, um, I think if I refer back to an article that you wrote for the site not long ago, I think it must have been midway through last season where you, um, where I sent you to um, have a look at who our backroom staff were not long after AVB came in. They seemed to all be be geared towards um, transferring youth players from the 21s and the 18s into into first team, as Stefan Freund, as, all of his experience in youth football, all of the, the Portuguese, Lewis Martins and, and everyone like that that's, that's on the bench alongside A they're all um, cut their teeth in, in youth football more than, more than first team football. So um, I think that's a reflection on that as, as much as um, the success of the Tottenham um, Academy as well.
1: another pertinent thing to bring up around the whole game is actually the welcome addition of the 1882 crowd. Uh, Unfortunately for this game, I was actually sat in the Paxton, which probably can't be any more different from an 1882 stand. As I was sat there, even if I would let out a come on you Spurs out of nowhere, I would actually have people two, three rows in front like look back as to what i was doing as you can hear in the corner a massive group of committed people all going absolutely mental for 90 minutes um but it was quite gutting but we'll be be there tomorrow as well for anyone for anyone listening or tonight because this will be released on Thursday so be sure to to head down if there's any tickets left block 35 or in the surrounding area you can come and taste an 1882 night. It's 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 a magical feeling, and not magical in the way that I introduced the pod. Magical, <laughs> magical as in Disneyland. Magical. Is, Is that, that the
2: happiest place on earth?
1: It's 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 pretty happy. Um, Everton nil, Tottenham nil. For me, fantastic result. Well, not fantastic. That's that's ott, but a good result.
2: Acceptable. If, as we said last week, if you offered us a point, we'd have taken it. It's um, again a better result than we'd got there last season, and um, we showed more promise in the first half um, than we have done previously. I think that's a reflection on our away form more than anything else. Um, but yeah, the, the way that Everton came back into it the second half—it's it's more than acceptable to um, to take a point. There's not going to be many many other teams that go there and, and come away with much more. Um, I don't think, because um, Martin has, has always played well at home. We, we've often always struggled against his Wigan sides at, at home as well, because um, they've always played expansive football and always been been very good. So um, I, was, I was happy with that, to be honest. Um, I was equally happy that, that Hugo Lloris is, is is OK as well, um, which almost uh, came in danger of, of overshadowing the game itself. I, I, you know, take away, I, I, I
1: get the point that people are making that this brain charity and the FA head medical twat has come out and said that AVB should be ashamed of himself and blah, 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 because people missed the point that there's a lot of head injuries. There's been a lot of players getting knocked out in games. John Terry in the, in the Carlin cup, you had Lukaku himself get knocked out and carry on playing and nothing was made about that. But for me, just on a, on a, on a basis as a, as a Tottenham fan. And as someone that, you know, doesn't want to see someone have any kind of serious injury as a result of playing football. For me, the, the, the bloke looked out of it when, when he did get walloped. Um, and I can't see why first Boas wouldn't have just enforced the change. I personally think he should have done, but you know,
2: whatever. Um, I mean, I, I, it was, it was my dad's birthday on the weekend, so I didn't get to watch a game live, but um, when I saw the footage back, and especially when he when he's revived and he's on the touchline wanting to come back on, it was reminiscent of if you've ever been out and had a, a mate who's drunk far too much and he's he's wanting to get back in somewhere he's been thrown out of and he's just he's adamant that he's going to go back in and the best thing you need to do is put him in a taxi home. Because he was groggy and his face looked out of it, it, it harked back to that for me, so I I almost think the decision shouldn't have been his own to play on. Um, but if the medical staff have looked at him, assessed him, and um, and said that they, they think he's all right to, to continue, um, I'm not qualified enough to argue with them. Um, as you say, I perfectly understand the arguments against it, but um, he's, he's been fine, he's, um, he's recovered well, and um, at the end of the day, he's, he's, he's nothing worse has come of it. I mean, had he gone back onto the, the field and, God forbid, he, had he collapsed 10 minutes later with nobody around him, it would have been a, a much bigger talking point and a much larger mistake, but um, fortunately for us that didn't happen.
1: To be fair, I wasn't aware that the medical staff had actually said he was all right to go. I was, I thought that they had said he should go off and AVB over overruled it, so stand corrected, then it is in fact just all a load That's- of bollocks.
2: That was my interpretation of it um, from from seeing the because um, there was that almost like a little committee on the field of, of Dawson, Loris, the the uh, the trainer that had gone on the field, and uh, the referee. And um, there was no sort of gesticulations or anything too adamant from the from the doctor to to show that he didn't want Loris to go back on that that badly. And I think um, t- to take it away from a, a human aspect and more of a footballing. A, a much more selfish outlook on it. Had we had to play that last ten minutes with uh, Brad Friedling goal, it could have been a very similar situation to last season where we'd uh, we'd conceded late on. Now,
1: I I'm gonna say something that I hope you won't laugh at, but I want to I I want to get it out there. Um do you think that our reliance on Sandro shows Kapoo's importance <laughs> to the squad?
2: Um yeah, very much so. Um, I think this is a, a point that's been overlooked recently. I think um, we asked, we got asked a question on one of the international break shows that we did um, about who's who's the best midfield partnership because um, we always play with with two bands in midfield. So that that first one that sits back a little bit, and we've got one player that can drive forward and one that, that's much more defensive. The fact that Sandro's had to come back from injury and play so many games in such a short space of time because Kapu picked up that injury, um, it's it's not really been fair on him. He he looked very leggy against Everton and the game beforehand, um, purely because he's not entirely match fit yet and he is playing a lot of football. Um, So when when Kapu back is in... is back in the squad, sorry, and he's um he's entirely fully fit and match fit, and we've got the the two to choose from, so Paulinho and, and Sandro as a, as a partnership, and Kapoo as Kapo and Dembele as a partnership, and we can then rotate them as as um solid blocks. I think that'll that'll see us have a, a much more uh, solid and consistent. Um, balance in, in that band in midfield. Are we are we playing too negatively at the moment No,
1: Raj? I mean if say we've got a Sandro and a Kapu would it be not times and occasions because one thing a lot of people are called for at the moment you know we seem to have these two holding uh, mil- midfielders and then the one attacking midfielder but is there not ever that occasion where you think maybe stick Sandro there to you know fuck shit up in the middle and then put Christian Eriksen, Lewis Holtby up outside the box, behind Soldado, two wingers either side of them, to really press and really make things happen at the top end of the box. Seems to be what the scum are doing at the moment, you know, just Yeah, just sticking a load of the creative players up there.
2: Yeah, what you've described there is almost a 4-1-4-1 four, one, four, one sort of yeah. system. It's, it's what, um, by Munich plays. what Guardiola has preferred, where he, he only plays the one... Uh, central defensive midfielder and the rest are there in an almost more uh, attacking and, and pressing capacity um, and it's definitely something we could, we could explore it's something we've got the players for to do at home um, i think we'd we'd not have to um we'd have to have the wingers performing slightly more uh, intelligently than they are at the moment um as, as we've said in the past um we've looked like we've we've lacked width slightly. And admittedly, uh, Aaron Lannan has looked slightly short of, of just something since he's come back from injury. But um, I, do, I do think he should regain that in time. But um, what they need to be able to do, the, the wingers, is, is, is make the right decision. in: Do I go outside or do I come inside? They need to vary their, their approach a little bit more. I don't think that's something that the coach has to instill in them too much. I think it's it's fairly common sense um, not to, to downplay it too much. Um, if you become too one track in your approach, then then obviously you will get found out, and it will become too too narrow. Um, so I'd hope you know Townsend, Lennon, Lamella, Sigursson, bid bit between them um, work out a, a balance and a, a way in which to make that that system effective.
1: I've got to say as well, you mentioned Sigurdsson there. Good God, what a goal! Yeah,
2: uh, back to that whole game. It, it, was, it was not so much the hit for me, but the, the first oh, the touch, push to touch away from it because um, it just from the second that he touched that ball, he, he knew exactly wanted what he wanted to do with it. So. I'm,
1: I'm telling you, if that had been Wayne Rooney, Robin van Persie, Aaron Ramsey, even, you'd be seeing that all over the news for a very long time to come, but it didn't even make Sky's goal of the week.
2: So, yeah, that's, that's appalling. The, the technique that he's had to, to finish that in two two touches and take it, he, he drew out about three defenders in that first spinning touch. Um, it was almost uh, Bergkamp-esque, um, unfortunately, it, to, it, to, to compare him there.
1: Not to, not to go on about it too much, because we do have our, our Newcastle guest waiting, but just to bring up, Sigurdsson, um, is he the victim of fairly undue stick? Because uh, it seems to be every time his name gets announced, there's a lot of groans, a lot of oh, Sigurdsson's starting. Oh, But for me, yeah, he's not the most pacey, but he still seems a very technically accomplished footballer and seems very versatile as well.
2: Um, yeah, um, I think what he's, he's suffering from playing out on the left much more than... than on the right where Townsend's got Walker is that he'll often often have a, a makeshift left left back behind him and um, on the flanks there that's as much of a, a partnership as, as anywhere else on the field and it's important to, to know the the pattern in which each other played so the fact he's got Vuitton in there who's not entirely happy with having to perform in that role he's, he's much more comfortable at centre back and then he'd either have uh, Norton there or um, Ezekiel Friars. He he's, he kind of gets shoehorned in with with one of many left-backs that don't really want to be there or aren't entirely ready to be there. So I think he, in time he should be fine because um, the width will be compensated by somebody else. Um, but um, he he might actually be a, a better option there currently than, than Aaron Lennon who's struggling. But there's been nothing... From him to, to suggest he's he's um he's not performing to any sort of standard. He's, he's providing a lot of goals from midfield, which is 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 an invaluable thing for us at the moment.
1: Well, there you go, Sigurdsson, not shit. But uh, moving on, we have Newcastle United coming up this weekend, and joining us is a gentleman by the name of Taylor, who is from the True Faith Podcast. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us this evening, Taylor, um, if you just want to tell us a little bit more about yourself. and
3: oh, Yeah, no bother, of course, uh, pleasure, pleasure coming on, thanks for asking us, thanks for having us. Um, well, I'm, my name's Taylor, I'm a, a lifelong Newcastle United fan, unfortunately, and um, I've been uh, doing a, a Newcastle podcast with a, a very good friend of mine. Uh, for the last few years, we, you know, we go out every week or so, every couple of weeks, depending on how arsed we are. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's good fun. We we talk about the, the games and we talk about the mad stuff that's been going on at the club. And, yeah, it's, it's good fun, you know.
1: Mad stuff. And it, it seems to be something that over the past few years that you seem to have gotten more headline inches than a lot of other clubs for probably not the most positive reasons from a fan's perspective. Yeah um is is this all down to i mean just from someone that's kind of outside the club because obviously you know we see all the whole dennis wise thing and the sports direct stadium and joe Kinnear and everything i mean what what is the root of this is is mike ashley the the evil i guess behind it all well
3: i I think there's two sides to it really i think ashley's p r and his decision making has been very questionable at times over the years and he 's obviously not a football man he 's a, he's a you know he 's a retail bloke well retail cheap tart whatever you want to call it <laughs> uh, he 's a, he's a retail man and, and and the way that the retail world works and the way that the football world works are two different things it 's an entertainment industry football after all you know it 's not a shop uh, but it, some of the decisions that he 's made over the years have have wound up are our support quite a lot um the other side of it is that i think a lot of the press especially that um what we put in inverted commas as the southern press because obviously you know everybody in the south hates everybody in the north and that's kind of how it works um they all they all kind of look at us as like the sort of knockabout figure of fun up north. What they're going to do next? Let's poke them with a stick and see what happens, you know. Uh, and and I think they are kind of it's a bit of a, a bit of a soap opera, isn't it? I suppose we're a bit like we're like East Enders for you, you know, <laughs>
1: or, or Bike Grove.
3: Bike <laughs> okay. <you> yeah. Grove. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry, can't resist. But um, well, I think partly I'm not so sure it's like a north south thing so much. Part of well, it. But-
3: I don't think it is, but I think a lot of people say it yeah. as that. Okay, okay. People say it as that, and I think I think we get because of how mad it is up here, and because it's such a, uh, it's a, everything that happens is under the microscope because there's only the one club here, you know. Some of them don't count. There's just the <laughs> one. There's just the one club, and everything that happens gets magnified hugely. What about uh, Middlesbrough?
1: Aren't they close enough? Who?
3: <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Team down the road. Yeah, I've heard of them. They, they, they used to be... They, they won the League Cup once, I think. That's about it. And they had, uh,
1: and they had Jonathan Woodgate. That's that is that another claim to fame.
3: They, they, they got Jonathan Woodgate back. Uh, he must have fancied another go around the bars in Yarm and Middlesbrough. That must be the only reason he signed for them. wanted a
1: palmo. Missed, missed the, the
3: palmos. Like, with his styrofoam knees, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it, it's a funny one. I mean... We we don't exactly help ourselves, you know. I'm I'm quite happy to say that. Um you see them all the time, you know, the hobbits on Sky Sports News and they always find them standing <laughs> outside the ground on transfer deadline day or whatever and they point a camera at them and then everybody else in the country sees them and goes, Oh look, Newcastle fans, that's what I- they're like.
1: I mean, to, to your credit, I don't think many many fan groups really shower themselves in glory on transfer deadlines. <laughs> I, I think anyone that goes to stand behind a reporter outside a stadium's kind of have you
3: seen? Have you seen Stoke? That's the best one. It's like it's like the, the canteen on Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: no, yeah, it's uh, well, no, was it, no, it? was Southampton, wasn't it? Where there was one kid standing behind the Sky Sports reporter, just want that on his own. Yeah. yeah. I
3: think... The rest of them were all on the paper rounds or whatever. I think he was he was the only lad left. out. Life and soul of the party. Yeah.
1: But, I mean, I th- I, I think part of it, you
3: know, I, I mean,
1: growing up, I always saw Newcastle as, you know, you were a title challenger. You were you were one of the biggest teams in England. Yeah. And I think part of the, the ridicule, as it were, comes from the fact that you were that massive team. And I think the same thing would happen to United or, well, it's... it's in a way, it's happening to Liverpool over the past few years. Um, yeah, think, obviously, not in quite the same way.
3: Yeah, I think the thing with Newcastle is it—it it, it got to the point where we—we we got so close that we, at the time, we were like, it, it was the cliche in the mid '90s that we were everybody's second team, you know. Yeah, and and I think the majority of football fans in them two seasons when we came close probably wanted to see us win the title rather than Man United. Okay. Um, I think nearly everybody you ask would say when we threw away that 12 point lead or whatever it was um the majority of people apart from man united fans obviously uh, wanted to see us do it because they just wanted a change you know they wanted somebody else they wanted a, a break in the monopoly or whatever it was uh but as you know it's it's man united and they were ruthless and they just they just hunted us down um but i think the club fell a long way, you know. The club fell a long way to, to, to relegation and stuff like that. And like I say, the decisions have been bad over the years and some of the people we've employed haven't exactly been um, stand-up citizens, shall we say, for, uh, for fear of um, any kind of libel action. We'll, we'll stop short at calling them crooks. although some, some of them were. Um, it's fine if you say
1: alleged before it. You can say anything you want as long as it's yeah. alleged.
3: Oh, well, that's all right.
1: Then that's fine. I'll do that then.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, where you
1: are now, what do you think, you know, what has been the greatest influence in seeing you end up where you are now? Back down to relegation and obviously coming back from that, but, you know, from being this title challenger team to just.
3: I mean the, the the thing with the thing with Newcastle fans is we're not all kind of tops off wanting us to win the league every year, expecting us to win the league every year. You know, I'd love us to win the league every year, obviously that would be lovely, but we're not. Um, we don't expect it, you know. And there's a lot of people who say that the ambitions of the fans don't match the ambitions of the club, and the the, the ambitions of the fan is just to to compete. That's all we yeah. want. We want to compete. You know, we like the odd flirt with Europe now and again if we can get it. A lot of our lads like to have a trip away and you know go and enjoy themselves and and it, the fans want to do what 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 is good for the fans. So we'd like to be in Europe. We might like to get in the Champions League now and again, you know. We'd like to have a cup final, um, but we don't see ourselves realistically as being title challengers anymore um, because the 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 disparity in the in the the top four or five teams and and the rest of the league is just huge. You know, it's massive and and we're one of the few clubs who've broken up that monopoly over the last few years by finishing fifth and and the likes of yourselves as well who came into it a little bit later on well, it was a bit of an eye opener when Spurs got into the Champions League you know I don't think that many people were expecting it
1: yeah All right, especially well because given it, that year it was at the expense of City who had already started spending a load of money um... well
3: that's it yeah I mean I always look at Tottenham and I think of Newcastle and Tottenham of being kind of relatively similar in 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 the size of the clubs and what they should be able to achieve, you know. But unfortunately, the owners of the two clubs seem to look at it differently. I think Spurs are obviously very ambitious. They know that. They want to be in the Champions League. They want to make money out of it. Um, and that is the best way to make money in football in the situation that they're in, is to get in the Champions League. Mike actually seems to think that he's quite happy just to sit where he is uh, and as long as he stays in the premier league every year he can rake in that sky money now that's coming and he sees that as being the way to pay off his pay off his debts and get himself out of the club eventually
1: i guess part of it also lies in the fact that you do have a stadium that's almost twice the size of ours
3: so yeah well i mean the st james's park is probably one of the biggest assets that we have you know um, in, in, in any in any uh, in any form, it's it's an amazing place. I mean, have you been? Have you been to St James's Park? I haven't
1: actually. No, no, I haven't done.
3: It's an astonishing. Uh, it's an astonishing stadium. I mean, it, it it's in the city centre. It's right in the city centre. Uh, it's five minutes walk out of the ground, and you're in the city centre, in the bars, in the shops, everything. And it's up on the hill, so you can see it from everywhere. You know, uh, everywhere you look. If you're in the the surrounding areas, everything kind of points towards it, and it is like a big cathedral on the top of the hill, and people kind of gravitate towards it naturally. It's weird. It's like got its own sort of gravitational pull. It's self-aware, <laughs> yeah. It just pulls people in, and, and it's it it has a um, it has a, a a nice history, and you know, it's got a bit of an iconic status. Uh, a bit of the atmosphere has gone out of it over the last few years, but I think that a lot of that's to do with the apathy of the fans, and I think people have become become a bit sort of disenfranchised with the whole thing, you know. See,
1: that's that's quite interesting though. At the same time, because it seems to be across the board, a lot of uh, fans that we've had on will often complain about the lack of atmosphere in their respective stadiums, and it's a big talking point at Spurs at the moment. The more the more successful we've become, that's right. Yeah, actually, it's. Really been at detriment to the club, you know. The, the whatever <laughs> five, six, seven years ago, when our positions were probably reversed, that's mm. arguably when it was a lot more fun to be a Spurs fan. But well, now,
3: the best, yeah, the best atmosphere I've seen at Newcastle in the last ten years for me has been when we've been in the Championship. See, um, I I tell you this is it's a good we normally save
1: sort of the listener questions for a bit later, but it's yeah. it seems a pertinent point to bring up. Um one of the lads, uh Connor Dean, at Connor Dean, has asked us on Twitter, um, when you dropped down a division, was there any difference in support? Um, i.e. less tourists and more atmosphere? And it sounds as though you're saying there was.
3: Yeah, well I think what happened was the, the average gate was probably about about eight or ten thousand less. But in a in a stadium the size of ours, you know, fifty two, nearly fifty three thousand, it's not losing ten thousand people isn't massive, you know, and they're not they're not season ticket holders, so we only have thirty odd thousand season ticket holders, um, so you you lose maybe ten thousand people who are buying tickets for the game on the day. And those are the, the, the people who maybe might go one week, you know, they might not go for another six weeks. They just turn up the odd game. And we do get a lot of tourists at the game as well because obviously, it's like I say, it's in the city centre. It's a thing to do. Everyone goes on about how brilliant it is. So a lot of people go and get tickets for it. And I think when, it, when we did go down to the championship, I don't think a lot of Japanese tourists fancied going to watch us versus Doncaster on a Wednesday night when it was pissing down with rain, you know? No, of course. Uh, but I was there, you know? And I think... The majority of Newcastle fans Who were there that season Thoroughly enjoyed it It was great watching us Turning teams over every week For a change <laughs> you I can know. imagine
1: Because you came back Comfortably, didn't
3: you? Oh yeah, yeah At a canter At an absolute canter
1: yeah. I guess it's going to go One of two ways like, you know, As with Portsmouth you, know, you can go down And it can just Completely bottom out And Also I guess The fear is also Going to be that If you go down You're every team's Cup final as well
3: Well, that was it. I mean, we were lucky in a way because we kept together the majority of our squad while getting rid of the the type of player who who you don't want in the championship anyway, you know. Michael Owen, Oberfemi Martins, uh, Damien Duff, people like that. They wouldn't have done us any favours down there. We didn't need those type of players. We kept a hold of the ones who who we knew would would actually do a job and would work and would be desperate to get the team back where where it should be, which were the people like Kevin Nolan, uh, Andy Carroll, people like that, you know. And and we had a decent season. We kept Colacini, we kept Gutierrez. Jose Enrique looked like a world beater in the championship. Shola Amiobi looked like Pele down there. <laughs> it was unbelievable, man, watching him banging goals and it was incredible. But it, 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 Danny Guthrie, you know players like this? Like, Danny Guthrie, where's he now? He went to and now. I think he shaved his head and disappeared, didn't he? I think that's the, the, that was the last I heard him. I think he's went a bit mental. So, it, it, you know, we kept hold of the right players at the right time. Chris Hutton had a, a decent squad, um, and and Ashley went out and spent a little bit of money, not masses as he never does, but he he knew that the squad there was strong enough. And I mean, if we hadn't got back up with that squad, then serious questions needed to be asked. Then, so I think we expected it to to a degree. Um, I didn't think we were ever in trouble of doing a Leeds or doing a Portsmouth, to be honest.
1: Well, you got to hope not. I, but I mean, going to the season that we're in now. Mm. Coming from there, wh- what are your aspirations now? I mean, what what are your hopes? Because you've made a few good signings. Remy seems to be.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, if, the thing with Newcastle is you can never. If, if it's a fool's prediction, you know, you can never predict what we're going to do because we're so inconsistent. We we drop points when really we should win games. We win games when we shouldn't. Um, and 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 we could literally every year we could finish anywhere from seventh to. Bottom every year it could happen feasibly it just depends on how the dice fall you know and do we get injuries do we get suspensions do we sell our best player in January uh, who knows Like Mike Ashley is more than capable of of messing this up on his own if he wants to by, by flogging a good handful of players that we need you know and not buying any replacements so it's, it's a funny one um, but for me I'm happy seeing us uh, in the top 10 challenging for Europe now and again um, and and having a good stab at the cups, you know, because I just want to see Newcastle win something, you know. That that's it. I mean, I,
1: I'll be honest. I've I've always been quite surprised that you've not been bought out yet. You know, in a kind of Man City, Chelsea style, because you're surely an attractive prospect for an investor. Given, yeah, you, know, you have a massive stadium, you have a huge fan base, and you yeah. you, you know, you're the only club in that area for miles.
3: Aside I, th- I think the weather's a bit different up here at Abu Dhabi. To be honest, so I think <laughs> some some lads get off the plane and they go, "Oh Jesus, no, you're all right. Let's leave it." Uh, so no, I mean it's it's a decent enough it, it is a decent enough prospect for a buyout, I would say. But the the problem we have is the guy who's selling wants to make back every single penny that he's put in. And including the loans and all of the the other bits and bobs that he's he's putting out of his own pocket, he's going to want to get back around about 300 million quid for Newcastle United. And you'd have to be mad, you know, you'd have to be absolutely mad to spend that kind of money at the minute. Uh, You guys on the other hand, someone like Spurs are a much more... Um, solid investment, I would say, than, than somebody like us because you've got the squad now, you've got the the, the last few years of history of European football and stuff like that. It could go anywhere with us. You know? we're, we're, we're still talking stadium right?
2: or so away from, from being bought out, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine, at our place. Um, we've got yeah, the infrastructure in place now, but the, the stadium's far too small for
3: somebody to want to come in and, and have to pay the money to build a new one. Yeah. That's it. Well, I mean, I was looking, I was just watching the news there before you guys came on of the the plans for the, the potential plans for the new stadium and stuff like that. So, and it looks pretty exciting. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, th- I think we've just been primed to be sold. We've been turned more and more into this brand, this attractive prospect. So, you know, our chairman's taking flights out to America and organizing mm. all yeah. whatever WWF wrestlers to come into White Hart Lane and hold the shirt and all this what? kind of, yeah, <laughs> this kind of bollocks. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's uh, taken stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah So yeah, it seems like we're, we're going that way, but you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting times at White Hart Lane. I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, negativity flying around at the moment and you wouldn't think we're actually joint second in the table at the moment. It's missed, and, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's and looking pretty strong, but do you, do you feel that, I mean, what's the fan sentiment towards say Ashley really? Cause I mean, you seem pretty nonplussed about the guy, but not particularly anti him. And I, I'd say like the, the picture we seem to receive is that everyone would burn him on the, the bonfire, you know.
3: Well, the, my my problem actually is he's he's running the club now to to get his money back. He's not running it as a football club anymore. He's running it to get his money back and to get out. And it's to the detriment of Newcastle United. So anybody who's anybody who's going to harm the club or, or put the the, the the club in harm um, is is somebody who we need to get get rid of. Now the only problem is, are you do you replace him with somebody who's twice as bad? Because it's all right saying we want, we want a buyout, we want a buyout, we want a buyout, but look at the guy at Cardiff City, you know? <laughs> they all hate him, <laughs> you yeah. know? The things he's done there, and he's a billionaire, you know? We must have one of the only billionaires who wouldn't give you the steam off his piss. He's, he's <laughs> the tightest bloke in the world, but that's why he's a billionaire, you know? You don't make money like that unless you're tight. You know? I, that's I, I, f- I
1: thought it was off of Lon- Lonsdale tracky bottoms, right? But...
3: Well, yeah, I mean, it's that it's Dunlop trainers, it's Slazenger, this and that, you know. It's squash rackets, it's whatever he can get his fat little hands on, really. <laughs> um, he, he he buys it up cheap and he sticks it in the shop, and people love it. People lap it up, you know. It, the, the the sports direct company on its own is worth three and a bit billion pounds, um, and he doesn't pay for advertising in our ground. Now, now that to me is wrong, you know. To me, that is wrong. He he should be paying the club. I know we owe him money that's not the point we've got the worst uh club revenue uh commercial revenue of any club in the country we've got the worst worse than anyone um and it's because of things like that he doesn't the, <laughs> for being such a retail magnet, we can't make any money out of commercial uh revenue it's it's crazy i don't i don't understand what he's doing um and he says that sports directors on the boards in the ground because otherwise those boards would be empty well you you show me a ground in the premier league that's got empty advertising boards on it there isn't one i mean but that's often,
1: that's quite obviously a load of bollocks isn't it really? isn't it
3: you know it's, it's bullshit um you know the, the 65 billion people watching the premier league a year it's worth billions and billions of pounds i mean <laughs> and
1: your international fan base is still enormous from your Exploits in the early years of the Premiership as well. I
3: think we've got one bloke left in Holland. I think he's the only one left. <laughs> I thought I thought you were massive in France, <laughs> aren't you? Well, I think we've pissed a few people off over there now because we nicked all the good young players and turned them into absolute dog shit over the space of three years. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we upset a few people in France. I think a lot of people are looking at like Younger and Bieber and going, "What have you done to these lads? You know, these were our next next generation of." Um, of international stars, and they've just turned into rubbish since they got here.
1: They but, can blame Johan Kabay. He's he's the one that set them all up, isn't he?
3: Oh, what lovely Johan, the salesman, with his smile and his hair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. well, come on, lads, come and join me in England. It's great. A couple of years and you can get a big move to a big club. That's basically what's going on with that, isn't it? You know, so... Is, it, is, know.
1: is he not too popular? Because I know he, he was hankering for a move all summer, wasn't he?
3: I'll be honest, it when awesome, he... Wasn't it? Well, Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal. I think I think you guys were interested in him, in him a couple of years ago. I know you made a bid for him and he got knocked back. Um, but uh, when when Johan Kaba joined the club, his first season, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think because of his kind of... He's got a little bit of charm about him and he's quite sort of uh, charismatic. I think the fans talked to him straight away, you know, and I pretty much fell in love with him overnight. Um, and then as He got a little bit, he, things didn't really go his way for a little while, and he got a little bit antsy and he got a bit pissy. And then, um, you know, he started angling for moves and stuff like that. And, and he, he's he's upset a few people, you know. You don't go on strike at a, at a team like Newcastle United, that's not how things work. You don't hear you don't ever hear of Newcastle players going on strike, it just doesn't it, we don't accept that kind of thing, you know. Um, so when when we needed him last year he wasn't there uh and and i think he's burnt a lot of bridges he's got a lot of work to do to 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 repair that that uh that relationship but the, i think everything's pointing to him being away in january anyway so who knows, who knows?
1: that's the problem really now isn't it when a when a player has their as as spurs well know when a player has their sights set on leaving the club are ultimately powerless to do anything
3: yeah yeah, that's it. I mean, Arsenal have, have been in the same have been in the same boat for a while, but they've they've kind of got to the point now where they've made enough money from it that they can go and start buying again. Spurs have lost have lost some some top quality players over the years to bigger teams, um, and that's not an insult to Spurs at all. I'm, I'm talking about teams like Man United and and teams like that, you know. Where and obviously Gareth Bale going over to Real Madrid, um, and it's it is. There is a point where you do worry. You're always looking over your shoulder for the big boys to come knocking. But now, unfortunately for us, Spurs are one of those big boys who are going to come knocking for our players at some point. So you've got to be, uh, you've got to be on your guard, you know? And you've got to make sure you don't get taken to the cleaners for the for the price as well. So I think, in a way, Ashley's doing a good thing where he's making sure that he gets the, ma- the maximum amount of profit for the players that he sells. It's just whether he replaces them or not, you know? And so far, he hasn't.
1: I guess another thing I'd have to ask you is, Alan Pardew.
3: What's all that about? You know? <laughs> Alan Pardew. Alan 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 Pardew. Where do we start with Alan? Can we uh, can we
1: start with one of my friends who's a big Newcastle fan actually, sent me a picture of Alan Pardew in a, in i think it was in like some dodgy club like a yates bar or an oceana or oh, something I've seen this. with these big glasses on and about six young girls all around him like with his arms yeah. around him, this big like cat that got the cream smile on his face I'll tell,
3: you, I'll tell you exactly where that photo came from that was taken in um in tenerife on a mid-season break <laughs> uh a, a training. they went for a training break in tenerife i think there was a, a there was a break at some point in the middle of the season for something. It might have been a international break or something. And they, a load of the players went over to Tenerife. And it was in Lernica's Bar in Tenerife. Uh, Little Spurs link there for you, lads. Um, and uh, apparently just a load of girls turned up and, and he'd given the lads the night off. So they all went out and got trolleyed. And then these photos all appeared the next day. Stephen Taylor with his top off and Jonas Coutierras doing shots and stuff like that. And... You know, that's fair, I, I, I don't mind that, that's fair enough. Me and you, me or you would do exactly the same thing if we were in that position, man, you know? We would. He is a bit of a see old man, though, I'll give him that.
1: i am probably sitting in my hotel room eating room service, mate, to be honest, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I,
3: all
2: right. Harju's yeah, got a bit of a track record for um, for, for going around with with women who, who who he ought not to be. I think that's
3: half the reason. His reputation at Southampton isn't what it was. Uh, we'll prefix that one with an allegedly as well, I presume. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> true, yeah, true side. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> there's various stories doing the rounds about him. Um, the the one that that kind of took took hold quite well last year was that he wears dupe after shave. That was not that. <laughs> somebody on twitter started the rumour that he wears dupe aftershave so then everything that happened was was to do with pardew wearing dupe and uh you know when he jumps in the crowd and stuff like that when we uh, we scored against west Brom, uh was it west Brom fulham when he scored he jumped in the crowd and uh there was lots of little sort of memes and stuff going around the guy saying, "Oh, the smell of dupe and all this kind of thing." It was just silly, really, but it, it's quite funny. I mean, I, the thing with Padre is he shouldn't he should expect to get some stick because he 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 comes across as a bit of a pompous cock at times.
2: He does. He comes across as a massive knob whenever you hear him talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he doesn't seem like a very nice man whenever he he, he seems to have his post match conferences or anything, especially when so you're like, doing well.
3: Yeah, this he, he can he can seem quite smug and self serving, you know. Um, I think I think he knows that he's pretty bulletproof at the minute where he is. He's the only manager we've had since the sixties to lose two derbies to something in a row and still keep his job. So I don't know what he has to do to lose his job. I don't. He could walk on. He could walk into the middle of St James's Park at half time and get a big bag of puppies and kill them all with a hammer and he wouldn't no, there'd be no problem, you know, <laughs> at the minute. So he's um he's uh he's pretty bulletproof at the minute, I think. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be around for a while. I think he's gonna be around for a while.
1: I mean, is he doing a better job than Shearer did though, do you think, in your heart of hearts?
3: Than who? Than Shearer? Yeah. Well, Alan Shearer wasn't the man to manage Newcastle United at any time. So it, Alan Shearer's not a football manager. Uh, at the time, he got set
2: up for a bit of a fall, though didn't he? I mean, at the time, time that he came in.
3: At the time, we were already down. You know, at the time we were already down. I think the question is: Is he a better manager than Chris Hutton? And 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 for that, I don't know. I mean, uh, Chris isn't doing too well at the minute with Norwich. But I, I like the guy. You know, he, he he carries himself well, a lot of dignity. Uh, and and I liked him as a manager. I liked him as a as a coach. He was a good coach. He seemed to get the best out of players. Um, he brought the best out, of Andy Carroll, for those two years when he was massive. Um, and Pardew doesn't seem to be a very good coach, to be honest. He seems to, players seem to regress under Pardew rather than progress. Um, you, you, so, you can you
1: imagine, know. like Chris Hewton, the thing about him is he just seems like such a nice man. He almost seems like he's too nice to be a manager. Like, after, you know, you can imagine getting trounced by by your yeah. local rivals and him just being like, it's all right, guys. Let's all go yeah. to my house for jelly and ice cream.
3: You know? Yes, I've bought chocolates. Let's all have some. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he is a nice. He is a very nice man. He's almost the Dave Grohl of the Premier League. You know, I don't think anybody hates him. I think it's he's he's got to that point. He's a nice. He's a nice guy, and I think maybe he isn't ruthless enough um, in this league. You know, you've got to have a nasty streak in you. All the best managers have got a nasty streak in them. Ferguson, Wenger. You know, everyone's got a bit of a nasty streak in them. Um even villas Boas can be a bit of a can be a bit of a pain in the arse when he wants to be, you know. Uh and, and I'm sure he, he doesn't take any shit from the from the players. But I I don't know whether Chris Hutton was a strong enough personality to deal with a squad of millionaires, you know. And I think maybe Zalan Pardue is. I think maybe Zalan Parview uh knows how to handle them a little bit better, but I don't think he's getting the best out of them, you know.
1: All right. Well, for this season, who would you say just you know for us to keep an eye on? Who Jenkins been your standout performer so far? For the aside for I guess, Lloyd Remy that might be the obvious choice, but
3: Lloyd Remy's been brilliant. I mean, he's been absolutely superb. The thing that worries me about him is that he's not actually our player. He belongs to QPR. Um, the other the other good thing about that though is that nobody can come and buy him on in in January. You know. 'Cause he's he's loaned out at the end of the season.
1: And he might be in prison next year as well. So well, there's,
3: a, there's yeah, let's not worry about that too much until <laughs> it happens. <laughs> uh yeah. But he's a fan, he's a fabulous player, you know. He he looks everything that a, a top class Premier League striker should be. Um and hopefully he keeps scoring goals. But Loic Remy aside, I think if Kabay gets his if Kabai gets his head down and starts grafting his his form recently has been very, very good. Um I think if you see more of him, I think you'd be quite uh, quite surprised by Vernon Anita. I think he's a, he's a great little player. Um, and he's, he's been kind of, unfortunately, he's been misused a bit by Pardew. He was stuck on the wing and he was stuck on the bench and then he was played at fullback. And he should be playing in the middle of midfield, you know. Um, and he's a great little player. He, I don't know if you've seen the, the goals from Saturday against Chelsea. The second goal then, and just absolutely tore them to pieces, and he took two players out of the game instantly and set the ball up for Remy to score the second goal. You know, he's got that; he has got that. He's an Ajax Academy graduate. You you don't become a shit player overnight, so he's he's a he's a good one, and I think he's still young. He's still in his early twenties, and I think if you keep an eye on him, if he gets more game time this season, if he if he plays fifteen to twenty games, I think you'll see you'll see some good things from him, definitely.
1: I mean, if you had to pin it down, what would you say is the biggest reason for your inconsistency? Because for as long as, well, not for as long as I've known you, but I'd say for probably the past two, three years, you've been very much the club that will, you know, you could go to Old Trafford and win 2-0 and then come at home and lose to, you know, Norwich.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.
3: Yeah, I think, I think part of it is, I think there's probably a couple of there's a couple of elements at play. Yeah, part of it is Pardew was quite sort of tactically uh, naive at times. Although sometimes he does get it spot on, like Saturday, you got it spot. At times, he can be tactically naive against teams who, um, against teams who we should, in speech marks, beat. You know, against those teams, the likes of you know you say, your Norwich's and people like that. Um, and Hull City's the prime example. You know, once. <clears throat> Once we go a goal down to a team, Paju's arse drops, and he hasn't got a clue. You know, he doesn't know what to do anymore. So it's 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 a funny one with him because I think if he um it, if he had a little if he had a better backroom staff and a better coaching team, it wouldn't happen as often. The amount of times I've seen us go either a goal up and then lose, or go a goal down and get absolutely battered, it it, it just it, it it defies belief. You know. Um, but then you know, like I say, we've got the the opportunity to go and we'll beat an Arsenal, or we'll beat Man United, or we'll beat you know we'll beat Chelsea. It's it's ridiculous. But I think the main the main reason for the inconsistency, the other side of it, is the fact that if you give a twenty three year old French lad um, a game of football in the Premier League, who is he going to be more up for playing against Man United or Crystal Palace? You know, in my opinion, I think that's that's a big thing as well. So we got players like Moussa Sissoko who, you know, is, is kind of flattered to deceive. And against Sunderland, he looked like he didn't even want to be there. And then against Chelsea, he looked like an absolute world-beater. Well, this is the so- crazy
1: thing. I remember his first yeah. game against Ch- was it Chelsea last year or the season before. But his first yeah. ever game when he came on, everyone was like, Jesus Christ, Newcastle have Newcastle signed the- a player. Like, Newcastle- who is this?
3: Yeah. We all said that. We all said that. I was I was so excited watching that game. Um I've never. I haven't been as excited watching a player's first game for us as that, since the first game that Hatem Ben Arthur played for us against Everton a couple of years ago. I've never felt that kind of tingle of God. This this guy plays for us, you know. And it was frightening. It was frightening how good he was in that game. And then, in in, in fairness to him, in the two games after that as well, he was brilliant. And then he seemed to look a little bit out of shape. His fitness started dropping. This season, after the first twenty minutes of games, he looks like he's blown out of his arse, you know. So I don't know what it is. I think this is this is something that we do to players a lot. We take these specimens of athletes and we turn them into kind of big floppy
1: sort of... Do you think they think they, the, discover, uh... they discover they
3: discover maybe? I think that's what it is. Stotties Stotties. They're, yeah,
2: they're
3: all on brown ale. They, we just we just feed them brown ale and Stotties. <laughs> brown and Stotties. And Stotties. That's yeah. not all
2: out with the students in Jesmond
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, Je, jasmine isn't full of students anymore unfortunately i don't know when the last time you were up here is there's not enough money in jasmine now so uh yeah it's, it's all gosforth gosforth as they call it gosforth gosforth um so yeah it's it, it's a funny one i think hatton ben is another example of this he's he looks a bit fat at the minute and i'll be honest hatton ben not fat i'm fat he's he's kind of you Know, but for a Premier League footballer, he's carrying a bit around the middle and it's showing. You know, he doesn't look in particularly good condition. Uh, and I'm not sure what the uh, we hired this conditioning coach, it was meant to be the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and I don't know what she's doing, but she must just be force feeding them sausages and burgers <laughs> and chips. And uh, I think he's got a, a Greg's account card now as well. A Greg's black card, that's it, yeah. <laughs> How I
1: mean, how are you lining up tactically? What's your formation, um, and how can you see yourself? Bring, well, yeah, will you be bringing it to Spurs? Because to be fair to you, you often come down here and give it
3: a go. I think well, we've not done we've not done badly against you guys over the last few years, um, and the last couple of years at your place, you have pumped us five 0 I think it was one of them, or five one. Yeah, yeah. Luis Sahar
1: got a brace on his. Yeah, I think it might be his debut actually.
3: That 's right, yeah and then, and then, I think Gareth Bale pretty much beat us single handedly last season, down your way, uh, but we did all right, we did all right up our way, I think we beat you we beat you up at our way last year, I think Ben Arthur got a penalty didn 't he um, um we We tended to do all right, the thing is technically and the way the team setting up at the minute, I, your guess is as good as mine i don 't even think Alan Pardew knows to be honest <laughs> I think it's it, we played four four two against Chelsea, he put the big men up front um he's got this this fabulous new tactic that he loves called uh, it's based on the muhammad ali idea where you sit off and you watch the other team punch themselves out for 45 minutes and then you get at them in the second half he's now gone out and told the entire football world about that tactic so we can expect that <laughs> we can expect that to fail deliciously on on sunday um but I think he'll probably go for the same sort of thing as as, as he did against Chelsea. I mean, you, Chelsea and Spurs are not massively different in the in the style of player that they have, the way they play, the type of players they've got. Um, so I think he'll probably go for the same sort of thing. He'll will play the big men up front. He'll put Scholar up with with Remy playing just off him. Um, CC is so out of form. He, he you know he couldn't hit a cow on the arse with a banjo at the minute. So he needs to uh, he needs to spend a bit of time on the bench and get his get his uh, get his head right. Um so we'll probably he'll he'll probably play play Shawland and Remy up front. Defensively we've we haven't really got many options because we've got so many people out injured. Um Steven Taylor's injured, which you know is a blessing at times. Uh I wish he'd injured his mouth or his thumb so he stopped sending tweets. Um but uh we've got Younger and b and Williamson playing alongside each other at the minute. And Williamson uh has played well since he's came back in. He's not a particularly brilliant player. Uh, but you know you have to have those players in your team. You have to have the guy who's prepared to sit on the bench and then come in when he's required and do a job. And he's he's been seven eight out of ten. Of course, every, I mean, every, so.
1: what what would you what would you say is a, a key battle, Raj, in this game in particular?
2: It'd be midfield, really. Um, with Kabaya playing in the fashion he has at the moment, that's where the main mainstay of Newcastle's attacks come from. Mm. Um, with with Remy dropping deeper and playing, he, he kind of he drifts to. He's similar to Adibai and that he'll he'll drift to either flank and he's comfortable playing further further back than than a traditional centre forward would. So the way he catches out defences is by by running onto the ball from deeper and then and then using his pierce to get past. So it'd be essentially our high line is. It's fairly susceptible to through balls and things, but we've been playing well um, this season defensively, and especially with Loris uh, willing to come out and, and stop anything and anyone um, with his, with his with head, his, <laughs> with his head if need be. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't see, I can't see that being too much of an issue. I think um, it would be, I think we'll have the lion's share of possession because I think Padu will be happy to give us that. I think they'll be, yeah. um, they'll be playing on the break, so it'll. Um, It'll be it'll be down to us scoring first and and making sure that um we have to force Newcastle to actually to play a little more expansively because if we don't then um it could be one of those occasions where a, a team will happily draw us in for for as he says eighteen minutes and then try and catch us out in the last ten minutes when we've run out of ideas yeah
1: i mean what what would you predict Taylor, if you know as a scoreline?
3: um off off the top of my head i mean uh I'd be surprised if we get anything. I'll be happy with a draw. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say ones each. I'm gonna say one-one. Uh, but I can see, honestly, if you get an early goal, I can see you battering us again. If, if if Spurs get an early goal, Newcastle will lose their shape and 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 you could run through us. But if we if we hold it together, <laughs> it's tight at the back. We could, we could sneak a draw, maybe even sneak a win. You never know.
1: Oh, in Shlenick, I you know I haven't I haven't seen us batter anyone all season to be honest with you, so
3: no, but you've not not really good looked, you've never looked, you've never looked particularly sort of worrying either, have you? You know what I mean? You you haven't been upset by anyone really. I would say West Ham. <laughs> well, yeah, that there's that, isn't there? You know, there's that. But I think West Ham have got some decent players. Um and and, and I think maybe you just took your eye off the ball that day. I think that was probably the one. Um, and that that kid who was playing for them at the minute, who, that Morrison kid, he looks fantastic. I think he pretty much beat you on his own that day, didn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's an awful human, though. So oh yeah, he's, <laughs> a, he's a horrendous individual. We we were we were linked with him when he was at Man United, uh, and they were saying, you know, because at the time we had Niall Ranger on my book. I was, was going like, to say, yeah, He was, he was, a, he was another utter Torag? Um, and 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 at the time it was like, oh, Newcastle are linked with this. With this lad from uh, Man United, this Ravel Morrison. And I think it was something like three million quid they were on about was paying for him. And uh we just thought Jesus, him and him and Niall Ranger, the whole city centre will be up in flames within a week. <laughs> you know? He
1: he's he's <laughs> carving it up, isn't he, in the lower leagues now.
3: Nile Ranger. Has he got a knife, has he? Is that one? <laughs> of... Yeah,
1: probably. No, <laughs> who's, who's he playing for? I think he's playing for like it's not Doncaster, is I it?
3: I couldn't tell you. It might be Doncaster. Swindon.
1: Yeah.
2: Is that it? Yeah. I think he's playing really well. Playing it, for Swindon with like half of Tottenham's youth team at Swindon.
3: Right. So he's at Swindon, is he? To be honest, that, he, he, he ceased to exist for me once he, once he left the club. Um, it's not, he's not one of those players who I'll well, keep tabs on, you know. There's players who you, who you like to watch and, and just check how they're doing and see that they're all right. Andy Carroll will be one of those, Jose Enrique is one of those, Kevin Dolan, people like that. Niall Ranger, I couldn't honestly give two shits about him. If he, you know, if he stopped playing football tomorrow, I wouldn't lose any sleep over him. Like, he's a horrendous person.
2: <laughs>
1: he's, he, he was almost a cult figure because he was just such an awful humour, wasn't he? Well, it,
3: it rhymes with cult, it definitely rhymes with cult. <laughs> Um, <laughs> just a couple
1: of yeah, maybe a letter or so out of place. I,
3: I, I'll be honest. I don't think. I think if you put a hundred Newcastle fans in a room, I think there's maybe one or two of them who would say, "Oh, he's all right, really." I think the rest of us absolutely hated him. I mean, he had chance after chance after chance, and he just blew it every single time. And he and the other thing is, he's not a particularly good footballer either. You know, I,
1: he, just, he had pace, yeah.
3: didn't he? Well, uh, so he reckons he didn't even have that really. his touch was absolutely garbage. And he was a terrible finisher as well. Um, So as a striker, a a, a hopeful young Premier League striker, if you can't finish and you haven't got very good touch, you know, mind you, it hasn't hindered Theo Walcott too much, has it? No, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he's managed to carve an all right niche himself out of being a
1: professional footballer. But I'll tell you what, Taylor, let's, I'll, just give you a couple of questions from some of the listeners quick um
3: yeah yeah I'm, so, okay. I'm, w- I'm okay for time by the way just in case you're worried i'm all right i've got a message saying i'm all right so
1: oh fantastic i think you were you were off to play prince charming weren't you the white knight
3: i was yes i was going to go and collect my my lovely lady from uh some horrendous restaurant in the middle of nowhere but we're okay now but you're right. You're just letting her walk
1: now. No rangers left, so she's she's all
3: right. She's she's fine. She's got her attack alarm if she needs it. <laughs> <laughs> Loic's out on the streets. And, um, oh, please. You know, allegedly, of... allegedly, no, absolutely no need for that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we have a question from Alan Yu, who uh, says, "Seriously, what's the feeling amongst the Geordies with Joe Kinnear?" Or of joke in here. Um, can I? Am I allowed to use the F word on this? You can say. You can use oh, you the C word if you want.
3: He's an absolute fucking clown. He hasn't got a clue what he's doing. The man's an idiot. Um And and I, that's not just my opinion. I think that's the uh, the opinion of most people who, who've got any kind of idea about Newcastle United or indeed any kind of idea about football. He's a, he's an idiot. And the only reason he's there is because he's Mike Ashley's friend. That's it. He's not a. Um, He's not a scout. He's not a director of football. You know? Your man that you've got, he's a director of football, you know, Franco. If he can you imagine if you've got a, a young a young player who wants to who's quite promising, who wants to move to the Premier League and and in one meeting Franco turns up. Yeah? And then the next meeting Joker turns up. Who's that player gonna sign for? I mean, <laughs> and what you also got to remember is, sorry to cut you up, but this this is the man who's going to be negotiating the contracts for the players who are coming up at the end of their the end of their deals, right? And that terrifies the life out of me. Absolutely terrifies me.
1: I've I've, I've annoyingly before this because I was going to make fun of you about it, but I just found out that the Shane Ferguson story is actually a spoof.
3: Yeah, um, it's looks Yeah, it's nonsense.
1: That would have been absolutely fantastic. for anyone listening that wasn't aware there was a, a story going around on the internet that Joe Kinnear had scouted one of Newcastle's players that they'd loaned out and put in a transfer <laughs> offer for him.
3: I wouldn't put Shane it up, Ferguson, no.
1: but it has been revealed as spoof, you know, hasn't
3: it? Do you know why it's 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 so believable, that's the thing. It's exactly the kind of thing that he would do. It, it is exactly the kind of thing he'd do. He's I, I was know, gonna say to, be,
1: to be, be fair, I hadn't heard it. many Newcastle fans jumping out being like, No, that's not true. That's not true. It was more just no, Oh I God. Think-
3: I think uh, the majority of people when I heard that went, "He's done what?" <laughs> and you know, but um, yeah, I've got some great stories about mine, if you if you want to hear some of yeah, them. Yeah, cr- crack on. Since he well, since he joined Newcastle, I'm not telling you who's told me these by the way, but they're very good. Uh, they're very good sources, journalists and the like. Um, since he's joined Newcastle, he's lost four mobile phones. Um, <laughs> I think his insurance premium's gone through the roof <laughs> on his mobiles. I um, think
1: it's gone from like iPhone to then a Samsung <laughs> he's, Galaxy he's down to like with Nokia, thirty yeah. three, no, or like one of those sage Gems you get from Argos, I, you know.
3: I think you know, like you know, like when you you know those mittens that you have toddlers have with a bit of string that goes through the coat. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what you need: his car keys on one end and his phone on the other end and his wallet, and and you know, and then just send them out as well we didn't lose stuff. There's that, and the other the, the, the one that I heard that I thought was absolutely brilliant was that he thought um, he thought Wikipedia was a, a scouting database that that all the, you're laughing. I'm I'm deadly serious here, by the way. He, he he thought Wikipedia was a scouting database that all the clubs had with all the information on about different players, um, and he didn't understand that it was just a website. That anybody could could edit or put things on, you know, he doesn't know how to send. He doesn't know how to send emails. He can't send text messages, um, you know. I think it sounds he, like uh,
2: Harry Redknapp.
3: Yeah, well, he's cut
1: from that same cloth, isn't he, as Harry Redknapp? Oh
3: yeah, they're, they're they're of the same they're of the same generation, aren't they, Harry? I like Blessing. a
2: Cockney uh, version of the uh, Chugga
3: Brothers. God, can you imagine that would be a, that would be a sitcom in the making? That like. Jokinir and Harry Redknapp living together in a flat—that would be amazing.
1: He's, he's <laughs> an old Spurs boy as well, Jokinir,
3: isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys have obviously dealt with him in the past, so I don't think he was as much of a bell end as he was as he is now when he was when he was playing for you. But didn't he win the Ballon d'Or with you, and then he also won the World Cup as the captain of Spurs? Oh
1: bloody
3: and hell! You, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, he, he, you should have. Did you hear the radio interview that he that he came on and said, "I've won Yeah. I've won every major honour that there is to win. Have you, Joe? Don't think you have. Have you won the Have you won the Ballon d'Or? No, you won exactly. the Mirror the, the Mirror Manager of the Month award once. When you That's, That's the, he, uh, the same <laughs> interview
2: that he said he had. Um, he had everyone on speed Dal, Fergie Wenger
3: spoke to him all every day. I can I, his words were I can put you in touch with any manager in the world, but just by picking up the phone.
1: The thing is, with with Joe yeah. Caneris. I don't think he's like a bad guy, like you say. It just—it seems like if someone just offered my dad a job (laughs) as a director of football at a Premier League club, it would have similar results.
3: He's well. The thing is, I mean, you say he's not a bad guy, but he's a dick. You know, he has—he's proven himself to be a dick on a number of occasions because he's—he's insulted the intelligence of the fans a couple of times. He's insulted the fans. Oh, Arsenal have just scored. By the way, there you go. Oh fucking hell! Yeah, uh, Giroud. Hello. Anyway, nothing changes. Um, was it Giroud? Oh no, it was Ramsey. No, it doesn't matter. Fuck it. It's Arsenal. Um, and yeah, he's. He, 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 you know, the first time he was here, he upset a lot of people, and he's just come back and picked up where he left off, basically. So, yeah, I don't like. I don't like the bloke. Do you, do you think love.
1: he's, is he kind of like one of those uncles that's like, oh, I just give him a bit of stick, but they love me really, when everyone behind their back is like, when's he going to die?
3: I think he <laughs> thinks that we all love him. I think he thinks that we're just taking a piss and just having a big joke with him, you know, oh, oh Joe, he's rubbish, isn't he? Yeah, oh, bless him, he's rubbish. But actually, no, everybody hates him, <laughs> you know, and I don't think he understands that, unfortunately. But bless him, he's getting on, he's not got long left anyway, so...
1: Feels like me with this podcast to be honest with you, but yeah. <laughs> um, we've yeah. we've we've had a question from Ollie X Cor, who says, "What would you rather punch, a horse-sized duck or twenty duck-sized horses?"
3: Oh dear me! Um, is this in reference
2: to the Newcastle fan hitting
3: the police horse? What a terrifying thought that is. Um, what was the other thing? Twenty duck-sized horses. Yeah. So it was a horse-sized duck, or twenty duck-sized horses. Do I have to? Do I have to punch them? Because I'm not a very good puncher, but I've got a decent left foot on me. So can I just kick them? Because if it was, if it was just kicking them, I think I could take on twenty duck-sized horses.
1: That'd be quite funny, actually.
3: I'd just boot them. I just boot them. I just spray them around, you know, like Glenn Hoddle. I'd just <laughs> spray them around the park. They'd be
1: quite agile, though. I think. <laughs> you think? Yeah, um, I, 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 I'll add the caveat that you'd be covered in oats as well.
3: Oh jeez, as well. That, well, that's just a normal Thursday night for me. That so that shouldn't really make too much difference. So we go.
1: We go with the twenty duck-sized horses. That'll be. That'll I'm
3: fine. gonna go for that. Yeah, I'm gonna go for that. What would you go for,
1: Raj? Out of interest.
2: Um, the big one. I can't multitask, so I'll just go for bigger and try and lamp that <laughs> one as many times as possible. Be... Have you ever seen like when like you see? a load of kids playing against a team of adults and there's like 100 kids and there's like five adults and they just run through because there's too many of them that's what it'd be like so yeah Yeah. i i I couldn't i couldn't keep my eye on all of them so i'd have to i'd have to just tech on a big one i think a duck-sized horse
3: (laughs) can i ask you guys a question just quickly yeah go for it i like to ask people this question when i first meet them because it just it gives you it gets you a measure of them Of a a man, you know. I'll get a measure of a man with this question, right? So these are the options, okay? You can either, right, either have sex with a goat, (laughs) and and nobody ever finds out, right? Yeah. Right. Or you don't have sex with a goat, but every (laughs) single every single person is convinced that you had. Which would you prefer?
1: Oh, good God! I
3: don't know. I think the answer to this tells a lot about a man.
1: (laughs) I will go with... I'll I'll go with the latter because, I'll be honest, I I wouldn't actually want to have sex with an animal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that's that's where I'll go.
3: Right, okay. What about you, Raj?
1: Um,
2: I'll go like a
3: a I was going to say, everywhere you go, then you'd be known as the goat fucker, you know? That's the problem, so... Everybody... This is the
2: thing, I was, was gonna make a disparaging comment about the women of Yorkshire and comparing them to goats, but um I don't think I could go through with it. So, up, my uh, mum's a Yorkshire woman as well, right? So yeah. That's what I was basing it on. Oi! <laughs> <laughs> I was I'd have to go for um yeah, I'd have to I'd have to let everyone wrongly accuse me of um of of bestiality.
1: Well you could just let them accuse you and then fuck a goat anyway. <laughs> would make a difference. That's the catch 22. So it's like well everyone thinks I've done it now yeah. so I might as yeah. well just do it. In do it might Ralph especially
2: in You might start thinking what if what if it was a a pleasurable experience what if it was something? Yeah. Cuz you, you can't know? knock it till you've tried it.
3: Well, that's it. I mean, how do you know it's not it's not going to be good, you know? You don't know, do you? So I think for me I would I would I would do the goat like I would do it wrong. <laughs>
1: Is this, your, than, is this your is this your way of telling us you've had sex with a guy, Tyler? No, no,
3: not not really, not not <laughs> not not really. But you know, if if I was if I had a gun to me head, if that was the two options, I think I would go for the, the goat sex over over not goat sex. But everyone else being sure I had.
1: Why why is <laughs>
2: anyway. why, why is a gun being included now? This I thought this was a, a free will. It just sounds like a, a strange way you've engineered this to. To put yourself in a situation to, yeah. to right, have a you with it you, well. you
1: hold this and you tell me to to shag this goat,
3: all right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, you know, muggers are starting to get a little bit more creative with the way they work, so you've got to be, you know, you've got to move forward with the times, haven't you? It's, <laughs> true.
1: it's like burglars. Like a, a friend of mine had his house burgled not long ago, <laughs> and to add insult to injury, the burglar did a shit in his
3: bed. <laughs> Lovely. That's fabulous. I, I, I've got a, a, a f- fabulous story about a guy who who we who used to work with Bestie. Um, he's a guy who used to be called Smelly Bob, um, <laughs> <laughs> and he he um, he he said he'd come into work one day and said, "Oh, I've been burgled. The, bast- the bastards have turned my house over." And the worst thing is, I had a big pan of uh, scotch broth on the boil, and they've done it. They've done a the shit in it. You know? <laughs> They've done a shit in the pan of broth. And uh, (laughs) um, one of the lads said, Oh, Bob, that's terrible. What did you do? He says, Well, I've had to throw most of it away. (laughs) 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 I'm
1: just having visions of him fishing it out with a colander. Yeah, Uh, got the colander, just strained it off.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's a bit nutty. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't put sweet corn in this. This is taking a psychedelic turn today, hasn't it? I didn't expect this. Hasn't anyway, it, not, as it but... just? I know. Yeah.
1: Fuck the football. No one cares. Yeah. We're both yeah. shite, so you know. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Well, anyway. yeah, I think maybe on that note, then Taylor, we might we might leave you to it. But uh <laughs> yeah,
3: well, the, the goats the goats looking worried now anyway. So I'll I'll tell you how I get on.
1: Oh, and yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. send our regards to Smelly Bob as well, should oh, you? Definitely, yeah, well, I think he's dead
3: now. Actually, think, <laughs> I'm I not think... surprised. Is it, yeah. is it is it linked? I think he died a few years ago. I, I think he died not long afterwards, actually. Yeah. Anyway, I don't, well, I don't know
1: why I'm laughing at that. If but... I get
3: if I get the coroner's report, I'll let you know, lads. So
2: <laughs> apologies to Smelly <laughs> Bob's families if they are
3: listening. Oh well,
1: yeah. Is it, is, was it just because he ate pooey broth that he was called Smelly Bob, or
3: was there an actual name? No, no, he he, he, he stunk. That's why. <laughs> yeah,
1: I suppose it. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was a clever name then, really.
3: Yeah. No. Yeah. It's. It's. Yeah. Say what you say. You know. <laughs> what
1: you say. Catchphrase. Catchphrase. What, say what's What's
3: Mister Chipstone? What's Mister Chipstone? Yeah. Chip's he's He's eating his own shit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: Alright, oh, um, and Taylor, well thank you thank you very much for your time this evening. Uh um, some shops. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. And uh yeah, let's hope it's hope it's a good game. It's gem- it's generally a good game, Tottenham Newcastle. Expansive football, you could say. <laughs> better than better than our Classico,
3: at, at least. Oh, definitely. A hundred times better than that rubbish. Yeah. I would think. But uh yeah, yeah well you uh... I mean we'll 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 hopefully give it a go, you know. Um I hope we don't get turned over. Um you never know. I mean we we do all right against you guys, usually. We, we we tend to do all right. It tends to be a decent game of football, like you say. Mind you, the the, the thing that upset me the last time when you came up here, Villas-Boas on the touchline and he's tracking bottoms. I'm not having that.
2: That was his first Premier League game in charge for us. I am, I think not, he's,
3: uh... I am not having that. You tell him from me if you see him. He what? needs to start that shit. He won't,
1: he won't listen. He doesn't like us anymore. I don't know if he's seen in the press, but he, he doesn't like Tottenham
3: fans anymore. Right. Oh, well, is it because you're all quiet and you don't make any atmosphere? Is that what it was?
1: Uh, well, yeah, it is. I, I can't even refute that anymore, to be honest with you. So... <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> you think your manager hates you, our owner fucking despises our lot. So, you know, six and two threes, isn't it? Yeah, so exactly. The The Premier League isn't isn't about the fans anymore, is it? No, to be honest.
1: Hashtag AMF, as they say exactly. on Twitter.
3: That's exactly.
1: Let's, let's wait for it all to implode and then we can... Just start
3: watching football in
1: local fields and things like that again. Jumpers the goalposts.
3: Yeah, I think I genuinely think it would be a great thing if if every single Premier League fan boycotted the Premier League for a weekend and went and watched the local, went and the local non-league team or the local kind of school team or anything. You know, just just give the whole thing a miss for a weekend uh, and see what happened. Can you imagine the impact that would have? It would be phenomenal. It's never, it's never going to happen because there's too many people who just want to go and sit and have that pie and watch the game and complain about it, you know? Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> exactly that. complain about it. Sit in the stadium and moan
3: while they are. Oh, yep.
1: I, I don't know why I'm here, to be honest. I don't know yep. why I'm watching. This is like of shit. Well, I've why been, are you
3: then? Exactly. I've been coming here 40 years. It's always been rubbish. Well, fuck off and go and support somebody else. Go and support Sunderland. Yeah. They need the fans. They've got loads of empty seats. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, all right, Taylor. Well, you you have a lovely evening and uh, good luck for the season, mate. As well.
3: Yeah, you two chaps. I hope you have a have, a, have a, an enjoyable uh, weekend and uh, hopefully you'll not beat us too much. So uh, yeah, but thanks for having us on. Anyway, it's been a pleasure. Top match, isn't mate. Well, there you
1: go, Smelly Bob, dead, <laughs> big, dead Smelly Bob. I, no, I shouldn't I shouldn't make fun of him for being dead, should I? No. He's resting. At least he doesn't have to go to work anymore
2: resting in feces
1: there you go I like that (laughs) I like that Um, so this week well today not today as we record it but today as you listen hopefully if you're listening on Thursday we are playing FC Sheriff um, which I should say is a nice pub they serve nice ales at the Sheriff shouldn't I because they're a pub team see what I did Oh,
2: right, yeah, you lost me there for a second. I I thought it was a... To a mate, to a Yeah, London, there's an inside joke about some some local down your way I wasn't familiar with. No, no,
1: that was just my attempt at a a shit joke.
2: But yeah, I mean, FC Sheriff. Yeah, uh, pub team, we we should, uh, yeah, dick on them. Doesn't really matter who we
1: play. I know that sounds really bad, but it shouldn't do.
2: No, um, it'd be nice to see some of the injured lads come back in. Capu uh, hopefully, get some minutes under his belt. Um, Kabul, as well, after playing 120 minutes and penalties and scoring is against Hull. I'd, I'd like to see him get another 90 minutes. That would go a long way to proving his fitness. Um, and Chadley, as well. Because um, I think he's often been... Because he, he started fairly shakily and then he's had a couple of good cameos and then been, been injured again. That is
1: is three big units as well, isn't it? Kapu, Kabul, Chadley.
2: Yeah, they've they've almost become a little forgotten trio. So it'd be nice to have them back. It'd it'd do do wonders for our squad depth. So I'd like to see them play. And then, obviously, if we win, then we qualify for the knockout stages early. So um, we get to have... um, let some of the the youth team players have a have a bit of a run out in a in a red nap fashion in the later games, which is don't be silly. It's,
1: it's not going to stop AVB taking our first team squad out to where Christ knows where is it.
2: No, he's. I think he's actually come out and said that he, there's some players in the in the younger teams, such as uh, Ben Taleb and, and Harry Kane, especially that he'd he'd like to get involved and like to allow them to start games. So it's um it's a good statement of intent to that he's already almost thinking about qualifying it's um probably slightly disrespectful to to sheriff but they're they're actually bringing no fans to white Lane, from what i'm told like genuinely there's there's no fans coming so there'll be an empty block that's it's not a joke it's it's a it's a fact unfortunately so yeah we're a very odd sight
1: that's gonna be pretty bizarre
2: yeah um i don't think you're even allowed to um to like resell them to home fans. I'm I'm fairly sure that they're just gonna have to have like two stewards paroling a, an empty wedge of the stadium.
1: To be fair, I'd quite like it if they even just like sold them to Chelsea fans or something like that. Do you know what I mean? At least have a bit of anything. Yeah. 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 But uh well, let's go on to one of the list of questions anyway as well. Um We've got because it will tie in quite nicely with the conversation we've just had about Newcastle. Um, We've got Alex Richings, who is at what's that Razorico Razorico eighty six, who says, "Hi mate." There's two of us for a start, Alex. So you know which one's your mate and which one isn't. That sounds a bit, you know, sounds a bit aggressive. That you're saying hi mate to one of us. What's the other one? Just some dickhead. Yeah. I think you can guess who. But um, what would be your first choice centre half partnership? Now, Vlad is playing so well.
2: Um, I don't think we we should have one. Um, I think we're very flexible in the defences we choose. As much as he doesn't like it, um, playing Vatonga at left back is a is a very good option to have against teams that have got big units up front and especially away to some places. So playing against uh Lukaku and things like that, it's nice to have that added a, a surety of having a, a large man back there that's not going to get brushed over as easily as, as someone such as uh as Carl Norton may do or, or even Danny Rose. So um I think they'll be very fluid. I think Kabul's not one to be rushed back whatsoever. Um but it will be good to have him back in, in first team um at some point in this season. Uh, with some regularity because um, he seems to be forgotten that uh, the seat, that Redknapp's last season in charge, he, he was our player of the season. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, so I, I couldn't count him out whatsoever. Um, but Kirakos looks brilliant in that he's so confident on the ball. He's almost a little more of a liability than Vertonghen is. Vertonghen's got that, that added assurity of, of his pass retention is very good and that his decision-making as is, is when to, to do a Dawson knockout of the park or, or play a long ball is there, whereas Kirikesh just seems to, to really want to to just drive on forwards. Um, do you know with, who else
1: used to like driving on forwards as a defender? Ludley King. Well, Titus Bramble, I was actually going to say. Um, to make of that what you will.
2: Yeah, that's that's not a comparison I'd I'd wish to promote. Um, but he's um yeah, he's, he's he's showing his age and that some of that is, is slightly um over exuberant in what he does, but that's I think that's probably what's helped indeed endear, endear him to the fans much more um much more quickly than than it would have done otherwise. Um I think he's also displayed and I think that the, the tackle he made on the weekend against Moralesh, was it, where he was running back um uh, foot race essentially back into goal and he he, he lunged in and, and won the ball in the box um I think that was a demonstration of why we sold Corker and bought him because that's a, that's the challenge that Corker just didn't have the pace to, to do he, he didn't turn as quickly as that and he was often caught on the break a little bit more than uh than Vlad has been so I think he's um he's um Sure, in his place in the side, so I think it's more than having to nail down two that will play every week. Um, I think it's nice that we've got a selection of four that we can um, pick as and when from. Do you not have to be concerned, just to? I I don't have anything
1: against Vlad. I think he actually looks like a very very good addition. I agree with you that he he already looks better than Kolker ever did. Um, I think my only concern is that the more and more he marauds forwards, the more vulnerable we are at the back. And I suppose, given that we do have such a meaty midfield, there's less chance of us getting as as caught on the break, perhaps. Um, but is that not a concern at all?
2: Uh, yeah, um, there will be a point in this season if he, if he tries to do that against one of the better attacking sides and one of the faster sides... Um, we will get caught out at Chelsea or somebody like that. They've got somebody who who find the gap that he's left and play the ball there. Um, it's almost when he does that. It's almost down to to Sandro to Orkapu to to find the gap and then drop themselves back into it to make sure that we've still got that defensive line maintained. Um, but it's something that it's all down to um, to decision making. Really, he's, he can do that a couple of times a game, but. If he's if he's wanting to do it every time he's on the ball, it's it's become it's be going to it's gonna become tiresome if I can get my words out. Uh, it almost it's almost reminiscent of um, Eunice Cobble's first uh, first spell at the club when he, he came in and he tried to play Hollywood passes every every time he had the ball at his feet, and a lot of people were losing patience with him. And then he went to Portsmouth and he had to knuckle down and actually defend there because they didn't have as much of the ball. And he came back at a much better player for it and a much better, much older, wiser defender for it, which was um, good for him.
1: And without that grotesque haircut he used to have when he was at Spurs in the first
2: time as well. Yeah, that strange noodle thing that he had. That was, <laughs> was very odd.
1: Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, well, let's have a look. So, you've kind of answered this, but... Is our problem lack of width or lack of individual what is our problem lack of width or lack of individualism or both? That's from Raphael Harris at Harris Hotspur.
2: Um, I, when I read it I, I misread it a second ago because I almost thought he meant individualism is in the the wingers making their own choices. But I think what he's referring to is the Gareth Bale factor of 89 minutes somebody to pick up the ball and, and spank it in um, I think that is that is something that we're going to have to compensate for and that is something we'll compensate for in having a much more solid defence and, uh, and keeping games much narrower um, in terms of width as, as I've discussed I think that's a a, an issue that the wingers themselves um, need to to try and rectify. Um, there's there's no reason that the coaching staff have to have to explicitly tell them to to make decisions. That's not a a thing you can ever coach somebody to be able to make decisions. If if you could, Theo Walcott would be a much better footballer. But, um, it's it's all about them learning their trade and, and doing better, and and that'll come in time. And I think it, I, we should take heart from the fact that eric lamella played so well against Hull despite the fact that he was again starting in the in same attacking group as a as a vacant and non existent Jermaine Defoe um who, who really isn't helping his cause or or eric lamella's whatsoever um so it, it, the sooner he he starts to to play with other strikers and getting himself involved in other play in areas um we'll have a, a much better uh, attacking team for it i mean what did you make
1: of? Avb's comments today that he starts Defoe um, as an alternate to Soldado because he's well, he he says that Adebayor can't operate in that lone role.
2: Um, I think it would be something that I disagree with. I think the way in which he wants to operate the strikers is um, is to have them as the last line of attack. So he, he wants the wingers and on, on the number 10 behind him to, to be constantly supplying. But the way in which teams are setting up against us, it's it's becoming uh, very corrosive in that it's not allowing us to play our game. So it, it would promote us having to vary our approach. And there's no there's no more varied striker than, than Adibar at the club. Um, as I was discussing when, when we were um, describing the way in which Loic Remy is effective, it's the same way that Adibayor drifts in and out of positions, um, picks up areas and and lets other players play behind him. Um, th- that's why I've always wanted, uh, especially last week, I wanted him to play in the same team as Lamella because um, when when Gareth Bale played in the same team as Adibayor, it'd be Adibayor dropping deeper and going wide that would then open up that space in the middle that, that Gareth Bale would cut in and, and score from. So he's... he's Movement and his his positional players as a footballer is much more intelligent than, than Defoe's is. Um, I don't think his movement in the box is anywhere close to as good as Soldados is. I think that's why he's the first choice because he's got that. If he if he gets the service, he's got that that, that knack of being in the right place in the right time. But um, he for me he's a he's a much better better option than Jimend Um I think the way in which I've described them before is like um, Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo. That um, Jimin is that. Let me at him. Let me at him. Approach, just biting at people's knees and shooting whenever possible. Whereas uh, Scooby doos a little more uh, pragmatic in his approach. I,
1: I don't think I've ever heard anyone referred to Scooby Doo as pragmatic. That's that's uh, academia for you. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> do you so? could could he be doing better? I, I understand the arguments that he's you know perhaps not a striker that's best suited to our system, that he's not getting the service, but individually, are we letting him off the hook a bit because we want him to be doing better?
2: Oh, I think we are giving him a, a bit more leeway than we would be had he already been at the club a season, but I, I think that's only right um, to allow him the time to, to play in, in his in his way. Um, I'm, I, I seem to remember Dimitar Berbatov didn't start Um, anywhere as quickly as he he finished at Tottenham in that his first few goals came in the Europa League against some lesser teams and he struggled in the Premier League with the pace a little bit and then once he'd found his confidence and he'd he'd allowed himself that arrogance on the ball and and he'd found his space within the team then you saw him begin to flourish so he he just needs that final step that final allowance to to be the player he wants to be and then as we saw against against Villa with that finish he's, he's he's better than most people at just uh, finishing off when he gets half a chance.
1: It's, it's funny because I had uh, one of Joe Tweed's, um, the Chelsea lab we had on here before. One of his followers makes some some snipe about Soldado in a conversation I was having with Joe. But oddly enough, and as I put to the guy, Soldado would actually probably be exactly what Chelsea could do with at the moment. And I yeah. can see him actually tearing it up if he was in a team like Chelsea, which provides that quick service into the box.
2: Yeah, Chelsea have that the, the fluidity in terms of uh, from from the, the transitions. They're much quicker there because they have players like Oscar and Mata that are uh, that are more suited, uh, not more suited, sorry, more more adjusted to the Premier League and, and much more used to operating there, whereas Holtby and, uh, and Ericsson, they're still very young players. I mean, Ericsson's younger than than Andrus Townsend and he's, he's only 21 so because he's had such a long career both internationally and at Ajax we almost treat him as a as a much older player than he is um
1: in fact he looks about 60 as well
2: yeah so um we should allow him the, the same sort of time it didn't help his cause in a in a strange perverse way that he 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 landed on his feet so well against uh, a very bad Norwich team when he um when he tore them apart with a few good passes. So it's um it's almost the same as when Holtby played against Norwich away and he looked very good and then uh we we sort of phased him in longer. So if you if you try and look at how long it took Lewis Holtby to establish himself and then try and uh put that across to the other young players that have come this season, it's um it makes much more sense the um the manner in which we're we're treating them as as, as humans and not only players. So there you have it. Norwich is shit. Um, yeah, Norwich are shit. If you need it, if you need to blood a new signing, pray for Norwich at home. <laughs>
1: uh, well, thank you very much for listening, everyone who is listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show uh, as ever. You can listen to all the previous episodes of for All the Roost on SpursStatman.com, dot um, where you'll actually find a host of other amazing Tottenham content. Um, this week, we've got a piece going up by Steve Jennings, which is a tactical and statistical analysis of the Everton away game. Um, we've got one of our brilliant bloggers who has also been on the show before, Ben Alfrey, um, with a piece entitled Tottenham are, overachieving. Tottenham are overachieving at half pace, but fan impatience could jeopardise that. So that sounds like it's uh, a controversial one. At, at, at least. It's been um, very
2: well received. I think a lot of people that have read it have, have seen the, um, the the thought process that's been behind it. He, um, he he echoes a lot of sentiments that we often say in terms of patience with the players. So it's um, it's definitely one that you should read if you're of a, of a similar mindset to us.
1: No, don't, just just say it's controversial, that's it. Just say he names three Tottenham players as sex offenders and people read it. <laughs> that's what you've got to do, we'll, mate. You got to, we've already made you, enough. You you got to learn from the tabloid press.
2: Come on, we're not we're not got to press. We're not uh, we're not going to do that. We don't lower ourselves to those standards. We're not going to peddle other people's news for more Twitter followers or anything like that. Keep, That's not our game.
1: Keep telling yourself that, Piers Baines. Keep telling yourself <laughs> that. Um, we've also got a piece from uh, Captain Calculator himself, Rob Brown, as he as we say dicks his way around South America. He's actually written as a lovely Newcastle United FC preview Um, and and also a Raylo Academy Youth System October update. So there we go. Um, If you want to follow the Spurs Statman account on Twitter where you can get the boss, JP's statistical outpourings and Raj's occasional trolling, you can follow us at Spurs Statman. Um, Of course, you can follow myself, at Trunk and at Bane's X I I um, I, and of course follow the Rule the Roost Twitter account at RTRSSM. We are actually starting to use it a lot more and put random things on, mainly about drinks and a picture of Valampagi this evening.
2: It's again another account that I just use to go around and, and troll other people
1: generally trolling the fighting cock podcast as well <laughs> um, which I do have to clear up, sorry Gal, if you're listening, I know you are you horrible man um, but uh, yeah, uh, of course please feel free to send any listener questions to us, we're here all week um, so all that remains to say is it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye good- from me there. and come on you Spurs we no.